On today's breaking news, we're going to talk about the galvanized hack reactor acquisition. And I know that we're a little late, so instead we're going to call it a news flash. And in case you missed it, hack reactor has been acquired by galvanize. If you want to learn more about how tech has taken over every industry and how you could become a software engineer without going to college and end up with little to no debt, um, go to breakingintostars.com slash webinar so you can learn more and also book time with me so I can help you uh, figure out where you want to go and how to make it to the other side. On today's episode, we're not just going to talk about what Galvanize and Hack Reactor looks like now that they have joined forces. We're going to also talk about the long-term viability of the coding bootcamp market, their partnerships with colleges acting as finishing schools, corporate training, expanding to other skill sets, and the big elephant in the room around financing, things like deferred tuition, scholarships, employers funding tuition with guaranteed jobs at the end, the GI Bill, and most importantly, lifelong learning. If this is the first time that you've listened to the Breaking Into Stars podcast, make sure that you like our page on Facebook. Join our Facebook community, Breaking Stars community. And again, make sure you check out the webinar, which is breakingintostars.com slash webinar. Um, and make sure you leave your feedback on iTunes, positive or negative. We always love it. If you feel like you want to email us personally, it's Ruben, Archer, and team more at breakingstars.com. Without further ado, let's break in. Growing up, we're told that in order to be successful, you need to be a banker, a doctor, or a lawyer. That's what the gatekeepers want you to think. But we're part of something bigger. We're part of a technological revolution. Either you're at the table or on the table. Get in the end. 10X. Yo, 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 this is Ruben Harris. I'm here with the homies Arthur and Timor Meister. And this is the Breaking Stars podcast. Timor, can you please tell the people what we're doing today? Yeah, so today we actually have a repeat guest on the podcast. It's a Monday morning and uh, there's been a lot of news around boot camps in the industry. So we wanted to bring some of the industry leaders to weigh in and share some of the, share their takes on the events. Without further ado, Ruben, do you want to introduce our guest? Yeah, we're interviewing the CEO of Galvanize and co-founder of Hack Reactor at the same time. One of them is very familiar to you. His name is Sean Dross. Uh, Hello, he, he's actually Hello, beautiful podcast <laughs> listeners. We're it's back. so great to be with you again. Back episode 12, if you haven't heard it yet. And we're here with a new person. His name's Al Rosaball, who is not just a veteran in the entrepreneurial industry. He's an actual veteran. I um, mean, he, he's been a leader across several different spaces. We're going to talk about a lot of things, including how he grew up in Manhattan and now that he's in Denver. But first, let's just say welcome to Sean and Al. Thanks, guys. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, obviously, we cover a lot of things in the bootcamp space in the community, and people are really excited about this partnership between both of you all. We're excited for you all to kind of comment on it. So, you know, Galvanize and Hack Reactor have now merged. So, can you talk a little bit more about like what the talks were before that actually happened, why you all did it, and, and you know, what's the latest with this Galvanize Hack Reactor merger? Yeah, sure. This is Al, and and I'll jump in, and then obviously I want Sean to give his perspective from the Hack Reactor side. We, I joined Galvanize in January of this year. For those of you that are familiar or not as familiar, either in either case with Galvanize, we have eight campuses across the U.S. We have a campus in San Francisco, Seattle, Phoenix, Austin, Texas, two in Denver, one in Boulder, and one in New York City down in Soho. We have three major lines of business. Primarily, we do immersive education, so a coding boot camp, a data science, a survey course slash immersion slash boot camp. We also do a lot of enterprise work. We have quite a few large enterprise clients, and we can get into that partnership. And we also do co-working. So we take our membership very seriously, and across our campuses, we very deliberately curate startups and Fortune 500 companies that we want to have to build this a secret sauce in all of our campuses that create the dynamism and the environment that we want. So as I came in and we're building our strategy, we found out about the opportunity available with Hack Reactor, and we just loved a lot of things about them. As you mentioned, uh, Ruben, the, the acquisition is done. We are one company. Sean has come on board as our SVP of strategy and innovation. And from the very beginning, yeah. <laughs> From the very beginning, what we loved about them, first and foremost, was, was their leadership, the culture that they exhibited, the seriousness with which they took what they did, which is providing alternative paths to education into the digital economy. 
the seriousness with which they took their work with outcomes and placements, and just in general, the professionalism and the quality of the program that they had built, which is a testament to the work that Sean and his co-founders and also Harsh Patel, their, their former CEO, have done as well. So for us, it made a lot of sense strategically. It creates the strongest program in both software engineering and data science, we think, anywhere in the country. It adds a campus in LA, which we're gonna, we can talk further about, and we're going to expand educational opportunities in LA. And it just really was a hand-in-glove opportunity to merge two of the top companies in the bootcamp space and just make us stronger strategically and poise us for growth. So at a very high level, that was the thought behind it. And obviously, Sean has his perspective, too, from the Hack Reactor side. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, the, the story from the Hack Reactor side is we started looking like a year ago, our next steps and like the inside story in our company at that time is we had just crossed this major threshold where we had just kind of gotten right with like the sort of like financial regulatory requirements. And so we were able finally to really uh, look in depth at like what we wanted to do strategically and where we wanted to go as an organization. And really what we had been trying to do and really struggling to get off the ground is do this like alumni focused education and, and to really expand our offerings in corporate training, because that's where a lot of demand and a lot of growth is coming from in the sector. And really, it kind of all organizes around this idea of lifelong learning. So we wanted to make this like, we wanted to take Hacker Actor from what it is and was, which is this like, uh, this really great 12-week program that takes people from not an engineer to being a software engineer, helps people break in the startups. And we wanted to offer uh, more of what we see being needed out there, which is lifelong learning, which is like programs for our alums to level up, which is programs for every company out there right now is trying to become a tech company. And every company that is a tech company is trying to onboard to some new reality that's happening. Like if it's a desktop company, they're trying to become a cloud company. And if it's, uh, and if it's a cloud company, then they're trying to uh, onboard to like AI and data science and so on. And so we wanted to like help create more of these lifelong learning programs for our alums and for, for like to work transformatively with companies that are trying to step up. And, and we, we were, we decided basically at this time, like a year and change ago that, that we wanted to go out and either raise some money or join a bigger company in order to do that, just to have the resources to do it. And we went out and did a whole process and talked to like a hundred different potential partners and Galvanize came out as like the people we wanted to work with for a lot of different reasons. but like the easiest, the most straightforward are like, they're, first of all, they're just like on a cultural level, they're just the same type of people that we are. They, they value, they have the same type of values that we do. And then second of all, like in terms of what we wanted to accomplish, they were just two steps ahead in some respects. And what we brought to the table, which is like a really like top quality software engineering immersive, like we felt like that was something that really brought a lot of value to their organization as well. Not a lot of people know this, but App Reactor is actually the, the largest coding bootcamp. Yeah. And yeah, so in terms of, I mean, there's, there are, there's some other companies out there that, that, that do education on like different, different like do, they run a lot of different types of courses. But in terms of training software engineers, there's, un, there's no other coding bootcamp that teaches more software engineers than we do. But I think that we teach more than any other single educational, like any individual university or school or whatever out there we are i think the largest educator Flex. yeah and uh, archer here uh, my co-founder he also went through hack reactor back in 2015 so we've all seen like the quality of hack reactors education how people's lives are transformed just to unpack this a little more what does this mean kind of going forward for the people considering doing or considering becoming engineers should they be looking to hack reactor galvanize kind of help explain to them what they should look forward to over the next year in terms of transitioning their careers into engineering i'll take a stab at that and and we'll probably just keep going back and forth between sure, sean sure. and i yeah I, I think what sean mentioned in terms of being the largest boot camp we liked obviously the the volume of students that they had going through but more importantly or as importantly we liked the fact that their program was shown to have very high efficacy. We also had a very high, highly effective bootcamp, but there were differences in it. One of the things we, one of the many things we liked about Hack Reactor was was the length of time. We had traditionally been a six six month program. They're a three month program, and as we come out of this, we're going to have a stronger overall combined approach, and it'll be on the shorter side. So we think, especially in the markets that we serve, we want to find a path that's still as effective, that's very intense. 
but that it's a little bit shorter for people, especially in the market like New York or San Francisco, where housing is, is ridiculous. Taking six months and, and spending that amount of time and loss of income is, is just a little bit harder to swallow than something that's three to four months long. So we think combined, we're going to have the best of the two programs. We're going to take the Hack Reactor approach and the combined Galvanize approach and this new model will eventually be rolled out into other markets that we're already in. So currently, the three markets that we overlap in are Austin, San Francisco, and New York. So those are moving very quickly to get to one combined program. In our other markets, in Phoenix, in Seattle, in Colorado, we will also be transitioning into the new program. So we want to honor everyone that's in the program today. We want to honor everyone that's been applying to the program and make sure that they find the correct path for them. But we also want to have a stronger offering that's also going to keep up with what the market needs, right? Technology moves very quickly. We're going to talk about this concept of lifelong learning. We also have to stay ahead of what the market needs and make sure that through our enterprise agreements and our enterprise engagements and what we're seeing in the market, that we're providing the resources and the skills and the training and the education for people to have the most effective entry into those lower level and mid-level software engineering jobs. Mm-hmm. One more comment on the education side with data science. We're going to continue our very strong data science program. It's a much different program, a much different persona that comes into the data science program. Usually they're highly experienced, have anywhere from a bachelor. Many of them have master's degrees already. We want to take that program and obviously expand it into other markets as well. So both of those are going to be key, a combined software engineering program that's going to be better. The sum will be greater or the whole will be greater than the sum of its parts as we get through this uh, integration process. And then, and we can come back to this later too, we want to look at other areas of opportunity, whether it be cybersecurity, distributed ledger, DevOps, you know, product management. There's a lot of other areas that we're highly interested in. And this just gives us a stronger platform from which to develop those. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. And so admissions process, kind of like the same for people that want to, you know, get into any one of these programs, whether there's like a prep program to get in and then you get accepted. And is that still the same? Yeah. I'm glad you asked that. I wanted to say, so like Al said, Hack Reactor is joining up with Galvanize has become one of the programs at Galvanize. Last month, Galvanize had two programs, so Web Development Immersive and Data Science Immersive. Now Galvanize is moving to a world where the Hack Reactor Immersive and the, and the Web Development Immersive at Galvanize kind of merge together. But this month right now, like there are three programs at Galvanize. There's the Hack Reactor, there's Hack Reactor, there's the Web Development Immersive, and there's the Data Science Immersive. And so just because there's, there's a lot of uncertainty in this period, I want to really emphasize that the world right now is very simple. If you are interested in Galvanize WDI, like, then that's still the same program it was yesterday. Got if it. you're interested in Hack Reactor, that's still the same program it was yesterday. So like, all that stuff is like, basically staying put for the remainder of the year. And, what the, and like Al said, we're going to pull together like, the best of Galvanize Web Development Immersive and, and Hack Reactor's program. And a really interesting part of that is what the is the time frame, and like the fact that Galvanize Web Development Immersive is a six month program and Hacker Actors is a three month. Mm-hmm. First it. of all, I just want to call out that six month program length as like a visible aspect of what culture means in real practice. Like what when you look at like web development bootcamp space and you see like a lot of programs out there trying to put together like you know, teach people to be software engineers in like four hundred or five hundred hours of classroom education, and it just it's just not. It just doesn't work, you know? And like Galvanize, you can see what their values are just like right on their website. Like they are basically just straight up telling you like it is going to be, it is going to take longer and and like you're going to have to really invest your time and your energy in, in getting it there across the finish line. And Hack Reactor says that same thing and, and like really works with people to invest above the current standards of the bootcamp industry and in every single student. You know, like we compress the time frame, but we really work hard in, in helping people prepare for the class before the class starts with all of our prep classes and stuff that you can do while you're working. And so like merging those two programs, what's it going to look like? You know, like that's going to be, it's going to involve like pulling from the best of what, what each of our programs do. I think an example, like in, an obvious example of like how we're going to pull from both programs. Like I would just, I'm not the closest person to this in the integration process, but like, I know that, that like, from what I hear, their software is a lot better than Hack Reactors for like the course delivery software. So that's the kind of thing that we'll be pulling from. And like like Al said, there's the three month timeline for like how long you have to quit your job for. 
is just so much more appealing to the market and to like students. So we're going to try and try and keep that like as an option for students and keep that sort of like template and like really invest in taking all the great stuff that prepares people to cross the finish line during that three month program. Like everything that's good that helps people be ready for that program. We're going to take that from Galvanize's web development immersive. We're going to take that from Hacker Actors' existing prep programs. And we're going to keep yeah. building out a pathway that kind of meets people, whatever their starting point is. Yeah, for sure. And I remember when I was um, applying to Hack Reactor in 2014, I think, I remember that San Francisco and New York were the only like main hubs for coding bootcamps. And I had to choose between the two. And over the last kind of three years, now there's Austin, LA, Atlanta, Chicago. There's all these different campuses now. And you don't need to necessarily move to these cities to become software engineers. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on like the coding bootcamp markets in these like emerging tech hubs and kind of where do you see the overall coding bootcamp market heading over the next five years? Yeah, I, th- I think it's a great question. I mean, when you look at the markets that we're in, I think we're in tremendous markets and, and you can look at San Francisco, which is a very mature market and arguably has the top programs in the country. It also has a large, the largest percent of software engineers and, and the most opportunity, but it's also hyper-competitive. And for someone that's looking to break into software engineering, it's, it's tougher, right? There's more opportunity, but there's more competition and it's just tougher. So when you look at some of the other markets that we're already in, Phoenix is a great example. Phoenix is an emerging market. Mm-hmm. There's more and more companies that Fortune 500 companies and Fortune 1000 and, and Russell 2000 and, and startups and entrepreneurs, the whole ecosystem is growing in Phoenix. And we're very happy that we're there pretty early. So you look at the program that we have and it's tailored to, it's, it's the same program. It has the same rigor, but it's tailored to a different person, perhaps in a different phase of their career or perhaps in a different phase of the market that they want to be living in. So Phoenix is a good example of where I think there might be more opportunities for us to expand. Mm-hmm. I think that the existing markets we're in, Colorado is a very, very hot market for tech. Obviously, Seattle, San Francisco, New York, and LA, all very heavily saturated. And there's a lot of places that I think present great opportunities for us in the future for us to get into new markets. And these are markets like Pittsburgh, Salt Lake City, St. Louis, Herndon, Virginia, Minneapolis, Miami, you know, places that like we were discussing earlier, every company looks to become a technology company. And if they're not, they're trying to figure out how they can be. Yeah. So all of these markets have huge opportunity for us as a business and as importantly for students that want to get into the economy. Yeah. And just one more comment on, on the market aspect of it. We also believe through this acquisition, bringing the two companies together, that we're achieving a scale that others just can't compete with. Right. Yeah. So if you're looking at options with Galvanize, you have some major markets that you can go to, and you're going to find the same offerings no matter what market you go to, along with this extremely strong ecosystem on our campuses, which again, we can get into as mm-hmm. we continue the conversation. But yeah. I think scale is really important, both from a curriculum development standpoint, from an options for students standpoint, and just to start separating us from the rest of the market in terms of what we can bring from a curriculum standpoint and from a product standpoint because of the scale we have. And we hope to continue to build on that and expand into other yeah. geographies. So in terms of several years. That's great. So in terms of the overall bootcamp market, I think last year it grew 50% year over year to something like mid 20,000s. But I guess, how do you see the overall bootcamp market expanding and also the types of students that are now starting to get into like software engineering coding, like jobs compared to a few years ago? Because I remember like a few years ago, it was mostly career switchers and mostly people that already have college degrees. I guess as you start expanding into more regional cities that have tech presence, do you see the kind of the fabric of the coding bootcamp students changing as well? Kind of maybe increasing more access and opportunities to folks who have been traditionally under, underrepresented in tech? Yeah, I think across the board, you can unpack that. I love that in a lot of ways, right? We have we still have those traditional personas, if you will, mm-hmm. of career changers, of people that are non-degreed that want to get into the technology world or people that are degreed and just have a degree that they just can't monetize the way they want to. So unfortunately, you have a lot of students coming out with a lot of debt. They don't have a technical degree and they're saying, how am I going to do this work in a retail or being a barista or being a driver, right? And I have this oppressive student debt. I have the intelligence. I have the background. I want to get into the digital economy. I don't want to go back and get another degree. So these are career switchers or they're mid-career people. We still love those personas. We get a lot of them coming through. I think you know, in terms of more people getting into tech, the economy, 
the macro economy, economic elements drive a lot of what we're looking at where companies just can't find enough people to recruit into their organizations. So we're, we're pivoting and looking at programs for large companies. So it's not just people coming in from the economy that want to, or from outside the digital economy that want to enter. It's also working with large organizations that say, we have tens of thousands of engineers and we need to upgrade skills. Mm-hmm. So that isn't necessarily the boot camp model, but we also do a lot of corporate training and a lot of enterprise training to say, look, you want to get your software engineers from a legacy stack into a cloud native stack. We can help you with that. Mm-hmm. And there's companies that are desperate to do that. So I think when the economy is this hot and unemployment is this low, you're going to always have pressure in terms of the student base that's going to be coming through because there's an opportunity cost to go through a boot camp. That's still going to be steady and that's still our bread and butter. But we also want to look at the enterprise and the large relationships that we can leverage for that too. Mm-hmm. Do you feel I like... I want to bounce off of something I'll said just because, you know, like your listeners, I'm thinking, I'm sort of like imagining a bunch of like Hack Reactor students before they went to Hack Reactor as (laughs) being the listeners of this podcast. And one thing I want to say to to all you folks listening is like, when we keep talking about lifelong learning and talking about how like it's corporate training that, that there's like all this demand for like leveling people up inside of companies, I want you to hear that as an opportunity for you because... Like what that means is that you don't have to like, there's not some kind of crazy marathon you have to run before you can break into startup. All you have to do is get started somewhere. Yeah. And every company in this space and really every company in the economy these days with how things work, every company is trying to reinvent themselves and it's okay for you to be a part of that. And that's going to be a natural part of your career progression, even after you break into tech. So you don't have to like get all the way to some like very distant destination. Now you just have to get to catch up to like where tech is right now or even five or 10 years ago so that you can, you know, join a company that is reinventing itself and then get paid to reinvent yourself. The next. Yeah. I remember when I was considering Hack Reactor, I read one of your Quora posts like from ages ago, maybe 2013. And someone asked like, if you were trying to become a software engineer without doing coding bootcamps, like what would be your path? And I think the advice you gave was like, try to like build out your portfolio and then try to get any job you can in software engineering so you can start getting paid to learn. And that kind of like appealed to me because I think a lot of people, when they think of education and they think, all right, I have to go pay someone else like $50,000 to acquire this degree, right? But I think with coding bootcamps, it's almost inverse because once you get your foot in the door, then the company is investing to train you and your first job might be software engineering. And so you kind of take that, you kind of take a little bit of risk, but also a little bit of like financial incentives to kind of pay for this tuition. But then once you join the companies, they're going to be investing thousands of dollars into training you to make you the best engineer you can. And like you're saying that with enterprise training, potentially they'll also invest into helping you level up into other disciplines once you're inside the company, right? Yeah. Yeah. And like, I think given that you started touching on to like the way things are reinventing themselves, let's let's talk a little bit more about lifelong learning and like how a lot of people would think you know, you front load education and then it just kind of like ends and then you're in your career forever. You talked a little bit about taking the pressure off long term. Can you talk well, about I'll, that? I'll just, I'll, I'll just jump in here. I mean, like I, I talked a little bit about how like we started this thinking this like a year ago ish at Hack Reactor about like, you know, really investing deep in lifelong learning and, and investing in, in alum focused programs. And that being one of the drivers of joining Galvanize, which has the best data science program that's out there and that our alums were already joining that program and saying good things about it and like taking that as their next step. And like, so we wanted to really invest in, in lifelong learning because we see that as being like, we see the bootcamp uh, space, you know, like when you, when you think about like, what is the, what is the bootcamp space? Like a lot of people might think of like the coding bootcamps, right? And, and that's something that has already uh, grown to the point where, like you said, there's 20,000 students or so uh, in, in like per year right now the vast majority of that is people learning software engineering. And that's compared to like 50,000 or so that are going through colleges learning the same thing per year. So like at that stage, like there's going to be more growth in that. Um, hard to say if it's going to come this year or not. Like, you know, in the last year, we've had two major boot camps shut down. So like it might be that this year stays flat overall. The places where it is going to grow is probably more in those... It's going to be more distributed nationwide. And so like we're seeing... like. Uh, it, and that connects to what you were saying about like, you know, the, the software industry spreading out over all these different markets. And so we really want to see the Hack Reactor's remote program grow up and capture like 
provide more openings for people to get into tech in Atlanta or, or like all the places where Iron Yard used to be up and running and shut down. We want to see that places flourish. Um, but when, when you think about like, what is the bootcamp space going to do? I think a lot of what it's going to do is shift its focus to lifelong learning and start training people for that next step to, to like, okay, now you're a software engineer. Now you can be a data scientist because that, that's that much like more challenging and interesting and in demand of a profession or ditto like AI, you know, get into blockchain or like there's a lot of that stuff is just happening organically. But now we're at a place where where Galvanize is like getting outreach from alums and and those alums are like, hey, my company needs needs this uh, training. Like I need to do this, tra- uh, I need this training to do my job. My company's trying to hire someone to do it. And like we can go in and teach their whole team. And like yeah. that's happening in real life right now. And yeah. I don't know how course support's going to count that. <laughs> uh, if, that's, if that's what they're thinking, it's going to happen. But that's yeah. kind of what I see. Where yeah. I see things going. Yeah. And I think a good example for those who are listening, like if anyone looks at their websites that were around in the 90s, and now they look at apps like Instagram, Facebook, even though like the UI experience is very different. But behind the scenes, to build website 20 years ago, you had to use a certain uh, stack, like a certain technologies to do it. In today's world, those JavaScript, uh, a lot of backend languages, they have evolved. So the same way how the user interface over the last 10, 15 years is evolving. And I encourage everyone to go online and look up what Airbnb looked like when they first launched 10 years ago. It was just like a simple site, kind of similar to what Craigslist looks like today, just a bunch of links, not very interactive. But in today's world, if you're a developer, you need to also be able to keep up with all the latest technologies. And now there is also mobile and there's all these other new technologies that are coming out. So I think you're definitely hitting the nail on its head by saying that as an engineer or any other role in tech, you're constantly evolving, which is an advantage to someone who wants job stability. Because if your job stability comes from your ability to learn and absorb new information, then you'll always have a job. Yeah. Um, and, and speaking of sustainability and like boot and, and like the changing of education long term, do you feel some people are believers in the bootcamp model, but aren't sure if it's going to last hundreds of years because of like different funding options or scalability and things that you touched on earlier? Do you think that what are your thoughts about like boot camps lasting long term, universities that may have deeper pockets to start adapting their models into creating boot camps to compete? You know, what are your thoughts about that in general? Yeah, look, I, I think I wouldn't have come into this business unless I thought there was long term viability. I look at our relationship with higher ed and I see it's very complimentary. They do things that we can't and we do things that they can't. So we have a program, for example, with a large, a massive global consulting company and what they're working with us on is creating a finishing school. So they hire kids out of college and they have good sound principles, but no practical experience and no ability to, to implement anything at a practical level. So Unfortunately, some of these schools are still teaching computer science on paper. They're still taking tests on paper, and they're not up to the latest flavor of JavaScript. Or in data science, they're not using the latest scripting language that's available. Right? These things move so fast that our instructors get worried during the time frame within the course that a scripting language is going to change so fast that by the time someone graduates, they don't have the latest and greatest skill. So the market is pretty ruthless like that. So I think we can fulfill that need to complement colleges and universities because I don't think they're ever going to be able to move as quickly and get things as into the market as quickly and as related as much to what's happening in the enterprise space as we can. I also see us as an alternative path, right? So if you don't want to spend four years, five years in college, or you already have a degree and you don't want to go back and get a second degree, we always provide that path. So I think we have a long-term viable future. That being said, we have to be nimble and we have to be reactive and we have to be agile. So back to the lifelong learning conversation, we can't just say we're going to be a software engineering bootcamp forever and we're going to do JavaScript. In three years, who knows what it'll be? It might not be JavaScript. It'll be something else. Just like Ruby was really hot a few years ago and we were doing a lot of Ruby. We're not doing any Ruby today in our bootcamp. Some students might select it because they're interested in it, but our core curriculum is really around around JavaScript. So I think there's a long-term viability for us. We have to be flexible and there's a long-term partnership with higher ed where we're always going to be more nimble than the larger institutions. We're also not going to be a four-year college. That's not what we're planning on being. We're trying to get that viable, relevant, highly effective 
path into a digital economy. Right now with software engineering and data science, and there's a lot of other, a lot of other areas we can look at as well. Yeah, yeah. and I, I think a lot of the, I think that's great that there's now a lot of options. I think the big elephant in the room and a lot of what keeps a lot of people from going through this program is just the sheer cost and the like money investment. I know Hack Reactor has like the skills fund option. Does Galvanize have something similar or what advice do you have for people who may not be able to afford now, but they're willing to, I guess, invest their time to learn the skills and then pay once to get a job? Are there any options available for them? Yeah, we both have relationships with Skills Fund. We both have relationships with Climb. Those relationships will continue. We're looking into options around deferred tuition. That's still an option that you know, we take very seriously and we want to, we want to look at that. We do have some limited opportunities for scholarships. So we want to find as many paths to people to be able to come through a program like this and either finance it, pay for it outright, apply and compete for a scholarship, or see if an employer is willing to pay for them with a guaranteed job on the other end. So we also are working with, on, on some funnel type opportunities where if you're jointly selected between Galvanize and one of our employer partners, they would cover the education and you would have a job on the other side. So they're hiring someone that they selected, they have up-to-date training, and they act, you actually have a job on the other side. So there's a lot of options there. And you know, if, if you do look at our cost versus the cost of higher ed, the ROI, it's, it, you just can't compare it, right? Compare uh, you know, a $200,000 education compared to you know, a total of you know, say 20 grand to get through a boot camp. If you work hard, you're going to get a high tech job and you're going to start making that, that six figure income right away. So we do think that the ROI is very relevant, but we also understand that their cost is real and we need to find as many options as possible for people. Yeah. yeah. I want to speak to anybody that's listening and feels like this, this stuff is out of reach uh, for you personally. Like I've been in credit card debt. I know how insane the idea of 20 grand is. I honestly like, it's always like, I've seen so many personal stories about like what kind of miracles got pulled to make the school become a reality for so many of our students. And I just want to encourage people to really search out what those opportunities are and work with our school and work with your friends and family and just find a way to do it. And I want to just like communicate how I just want to personally invite everybody that feels like it's out of reach to step in and move forward because like our programs, like we really want to work with every student that is going to be successful in terms of academics and who has an interest and aptitude, regardless of where they are financially. And like, that's just really important to us, like on a, on a mission level. And it's important to me personally. And I just want to provide anyone who's like really trying to get there and struggling personally to get there. Like, I just want to give you my personal email. My email address is Sean at hackreactor.com. S-H-A-W-N. And like reach out if you're trying to get there, but you're getting stuck and you don't know how to like actually make it work financially. Like we will find a way, like I'm going to do everything in my power and so I just want to deliver that message. Yeah, the thank you. Thank you. And there's actually, Chandra's not just saying that we actually have a community member, Nuno Neves, and he was one of the people who became a member of our community and wanted to do Hack Reactor, but he actually lived in Portugal. And uh, just because he w- lived in Portugal didn't mean that he wasn't going to be an engineer. He just had to get creative and find a way to career transition. So what we told Nuno was, First, do the work and get into Hack Reactor. And then once you're able to prove to people around you that you can actually get in, then the whole community will uh, gather around and we'll figure out how to make sure you can afford it. And uh, he did get in. He did get connected with Sean. And fast forward to nine months later, he's now a software engineer working in England. Yeah. Um, and, and it so, was a big deal. That's such yeah. a cool story. I think he also had like, he it was like a deferred tuition situation that, hadn't been created before. So to Sean's point, like he does go to extraordinary lengths to help people that are committed to make the move. I also want to touch on the piece that you just brought up. Let's say that you get your community around you, you raise the money to, you know, do the do the the boot camp with you all, but you don't have the time. You know, like people have different time commitments to like quit their job and go full time. Like is there part time options? Is there online options? Can you tell the people about that? Yeah, there's a lot of people for a lot of people that are like in tougher financial straits, our Hack Reactor remote and remote part-time programs are really helpful. So a lot of people don't know very much about this and I just want to speak on them briefly. When Hack Reactor was a little baby organization and we were just in San Francisco, 
we wanted to start a second campus and we heard from everyone that, that starting a second campus is really hard and you want to do it without splitting up the brain trust. And we actually started Hack Reactor Remote as our second campus uh, so that we keep the brain trust all together. And what we did is we did everything exactly the same except we did as our San Francisco campus, except we did it on video conference. And that means like the same calendar, that means the same like admissions, that means the same like it's a very immersive program. It's not like what people think about with online education. And what, we, what happened is people came out of the woodwork and that first class of students had like all of these parents and people living in, with their, like living with uh, friends and family members during the program to save on residential costs. And one of my personal friends went through the program and lived with their family out in Wisconsin going through the program so that she could, you know, like she had tons of student debt and that enabled her to make this a reality. So the remote program can allow you to kind of work, rem- to join the program remotely from anywhere and still get the same quality of program. In terms of student outcomes, it's a really great program. Like that's consistently one of our top campuses. I mean, um, we could we could attest to that, especially because um, John Dane came to us to the podcast. To Archer did the Hack Reactor remote program and is now, he, he was an engineer at Snapchat when he was on the podcast. Now he works at another company, but it does work. Speaking of, you know, corporate training, we talked a little bit about companies reinventing themselves and, and dying and things like that. Can you talk a little bit more about um, <laughs> what examples of people that are doing this the right way and how you all, I know you talked about the finishing school. I think that was awesome, but um, people don't realize how much money is spent in corporate training and how a lot of it is not as effective and how they're partnering with people like you all. I think there's like Adobe Digital Academy and there's other things like that. Can you Can you kind of touch on that a little bit more? Yeah, I would love to. I know Sean has experience on, on the Hack Reactor side as well. Uh, my, we talked briefly in my introduction, or you mentioned in my introduction, my background. I'm a heavy enterprise guy. I've worked for some of the largest companies in the world, IBM, WPP, Ford, Nextel Sprint, the DOD, NCM. These are very large companies that spend a lot of money. And in my roles, in different CIO, COO, CTO roles, I've spent a lot of money on training. And you're always trying to find training that keeps your people engaged. And most importantly for the company, it keeps your people up to date with the technology needs that you have in order to stay competitive. And there's a lot of companies that spend a lot of money. Every Fortune 1000 company, practically every company in the US is spending money on training. And it goes uh, everything from you know, how to be a better leader to very technical long-term training to paying for people's degrees part-time. So when we go in and we talk to a company, we say, look, we have an effective way of taking your legacy software engineers and bringing them up to speed and truly having them become cloud native developers. We've had a long relationship with Pivotal. So what they do with PAL, with their Pivotal Acceleration Labs, we do in, frankly, a slower model. We take a little bit more time because PAL is extremely difficult to get through and very expensive. We just have a plan B for companies that might be able to send a handful of engineers through PAL. They can come through and we actually come in and partner with Pivotal for a lot of their clients. And we run our cloud native developer course, which our approach to education, our approach to mastery, and our curriculum graduates engineers with a full stack knowledgeable on microservices, knowledgeable on RESTful APIs, really understanding what it means to be agile, really understanding XP, and really understanding the cloud stack, whether it's Kubernetes or Pivotal or Amazon or Google, whatever it is, right? We work with them to, to make sure that that's very effective. So this is crucial to companies staying competitive. And it's frankly crucial to our business because we feel it's a good match for what we do for them. And I'll also touch on data science. We haven't touched too much on data science. Our software engineering immersive is very different than our corporate immersive, right? We don't take entry-level people through a full cloud native curriculum. But on the data science side, it's very similar. So we go in with companies and they're just discovering the power of data and discovering the power of having data scientists And we have a full data science survey course that we offer our enterprise clients. We also work on data engineering, data analytics, and some more basic tools. If we have a course around Tableau, we have different courses that are very geared toward getting these skills really increased and improved in all of our enterprise clients. So that's pretty critical for what's happening in the market. And companies know that they just can't hire their way out of this crisis. They got to find people within their companies that know their business, but they can also get the technical skills that they need. Yeah, no, that's amazing. And and you touched on, you know, how seasoned you were at all these different companies. Um, and then I know you're also seasoned, you know, as a veteran, like in as, 
you know, doing giving service to your country. Can you talk a little bit about the the GI Bill as well that you are exploring? Yeah, absolutely. We have several campuses that are GI Bill certified. I am a veteran. I served um, as an officer in the Air Force. You know, I was lucky. I had some pretty technical skills when I separated from the military. There's a lot of people separating from the military that don't have technical skills, but they have amazing skills around leadership, character, honesty, integrity, punctuality, loyalty, right? All of those military traits and military skills, you might not know how to be a software engineer, but you really know what it means to be a professional. And we want to take these veterans coming out and either offer them the full immersion through a GI Bill, or we're also working, for example, with Fort Hood in Austin, where we're going to have 100% veteran-filled cohorts working with veterans coming out of the Army at Fort Hood. And that's going to be our our first program of that type, where as soldiers, before they even separate from the Army, we're going to have these soldiers coming in and going through an accelerated immersion where they graduate as software engineers as they're separating from the military. Wow. Wow. That's I just want to emphasize that like today, right now, if you're coming out of the service uh, and you're listening to this podcast, you can, uh, we can work together to educate you and apply the GI Bill funding. And if you get stuck in the process of figuring out how that works, then please reach out and let us know. But yeah, that's, that's, a, that's something that that's a great takeaway for, the relevant people listening. That's yeah. big. And I know we're kind of running short on time, but before going into the lightning round, I know Timor has one more question. And then can you tell us a little bit more about the Al Rosenball story and maybe two to three minutes? Can you do that? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. You want me to do that now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I, I joined Galvanize in January. Um, and prior to that, I was, I was the chief operating officer and chief technology officer for a media company based in Colorado called NCM. Um, I spent seven years there. And then prior to that, I had spent time as the chief technology officer for the city of Denver, working for Mayor Hickenlooper, who's now our governor. Got to spend time working on the DNC when it came to Denver and just really understanding what it takes to run a large city like Denver, which was an amazing experience. And prior to that, I had spent time with a subsidiary of WPP. I was CTO of a joint venture with Ford Motor Company in London. Early in my career, worked as a consultant for IBM. And then, as I mentioned earlier, I went to, or I, I served as an officer in the Air Force for five years after graduating from the Air Force Academy. Grew up in Manhattan, so I'm a New Yorker. Love New York sports, but I, I love Denver and Colorado too much in terms of the things I like to do. So, you know, my, my story leading up to Galvanize was I wanted to become a part of something that was very mission driven. I'm a mission oriented person. I like to have a mission behind what I do. And I also wanted it to be a business, right? I wanted, I want to make money doing it. So as the Galvanize opportunity came up, I saw this incredible opportunity to match this massive insatiable demand for technology talent that's really impacting our economy in a way that I felt was effective and gave people an opportunity to build a better life and a better career for themselves. And frankly, it was a great match. And the first uh, six, seven months of seven months now have gone extremely fast. We've gotten a lot done, but I'm pretty excited about our future and, and where we're going. Got it. Got it. So, so at this point in the podcast, we do the lightning round, and this is where Archer, uh, Ruben, and I will ask you questions. But we're looking for tactics and strategies that our listeners can implement to help them in their career transitions. Arthur, take it away. Yeah. So this question takes it back to the basics, and I think we've already asked Sean this question before, but I, would, I think we could still ask him again. But basically. If um, you guys only had $100 and you just moved to a new city, you don't know anyone, and you're trying to get back on your feet and break into tech, what would you do and how would you spend that $100 for both of you guys? Oh, geez. I can't believe I answered this question. This is such a hard one. I'm stumped <laughs> again. Uh, well, if you don't have uh, your basic needs sorted, food and housing, then you're, you're in a tight spot. The first thing I would do is probably buy a bus ticket to somewhere where you have that stuff settled. If you have family members that you can take some time and like lean on your support network for a little while, even if you have to leave a tech hub to do that, I think that's a really valuable way to scale up if that's an important step of your journey. But if you already have another pathway to take, if you already have a concrete skill set like project management or design or development, even if it's in an early stage, you can pull together a portfolio, use the money to cover your food needs and try to crash on couches and really work on a job search. And there are programs you can join to do the job search 
where they'll join you up with a community and help you conduct a more efficient job search. Uh, and they'll do that on a deferred tuition basis. So uh, check that out. There's stuff like interview kickstart and, and so on. Um, so check that out. You can also, I guess I'm out of time. It's supposed to be letting you know. <laughs> no, that's good. That's good. That's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I think I, I agree with Sean in terms of get your basic needs met first, right? No, no one wants to hire someone or talk to someone that, appears to be unstable or unable to, to execute, right? People want, employers want someone that's going to show stability, reliability, and presence. So you got to take care of yourself. Number one, if you have family, take care of your family. Number two, or probably reverse, take care of your family first. Um, (laughs) And, uh, and then, you know, I'm a huge believer in getting your foot in the door. So network, 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 and network doesn't have to mean, you know, anything smarmy or not genuine. It means getting into the companies and getting into the communities that you have an interest in. Every single role I've ever gotten in my career has been through networking. Yeah. I've never gotten anything through a job posting. You know, it, it really has to be all the networking that you do. So network into the field that you're interested in and then get your foot in the door. Like Sean said, you might have a small portfolio. If you're really interested in working in, in a certain industry, get your foot in the door and say, I'm really good. I'm reliable and I'm hungry and I'm going to study on the weekends. And I'm going to show you what I've got, and then you can build from there. Yeah, no facts. I like it. Tell us something about yourselves that we would never forget. <laughs> <laughs> I could go really weird on this one. <laughs> you get personal. Uh, let's, let's go weird out. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to go too weird. Um, anybody who knows me knows this. I love motorcycles. I've, I've ridden I've ridden in South America. I've ridden in Patagonia. I've ridden, ridden in Europe. Awesome. I own four bikes. Uh, I've owned as many as six at a time. Wow. And um, I, uh, my, my next career will be uh, doing something where I'm, I'm guiding people on, you know, backcountry adventures down Patagonia and, and South America. That so that, that's, uh, that's my passion. Okay. Hopefully we'll be on one of those rides in the future. That sounds good to me. <laughs> <laughs> a, a funny story about me is one time I ran a marathon without training for it to because of a bet I made with a friend about how broad and deep human potential is and this turned out to be a very bad idea my big toe still clicks so (laughs) now you know so when it comes to daily routines both of you are uh sean is a founder of hack reactor you're al you're the ceo can you share with our listeners what your morning looks like how do you prepare yourself for a successful day sure sean you want to go yeah, I personally am an Asana freak. So I keep everything about my job in Asana. I am at inbox zero pretty much all the time. And I move stuff from my inbox into Asana and order what I want to do in a day. And I sort things into five minutes or less. There's a bucket for things that are going to be like real easy, quick. And then there's a prioritized list of stuff that I'm trying to get done today. And then there's another bucket of like stuff I'm trying to get done this week. And I just keep stuff in those buckets. And another major secret of the Chandras productivity school is just archive a lot of emails without really, you know, you can't do everything. So yeah. that's my habits. Love it. Shout out to Justin Rosenstein, who's co-founder of Asana. He's one of our investors too. So yeah, I would say for me, I'm not as organized as, as Sean. I live by my calendar. So <laughs> I, I, I try to put like a block on my calendar if I need time to just reflect on something. But I think my life is more about flexibility. So if I try and be more structured, I tend to blow that up because some issue has come up. So I think the hardest thing for me is to have time to think strategically, but important lesson over time has been be flexible, like maintain the large picture things that you have to take care of, but maintain flexibility in your schedule as much as possible. And then what I tend to do, I'm not a morning person. So I tend to work late into the evening after I get home, have dinner, spend time with the kids, spend time with my wife. I'll work late into the evening because that's good quiet time for me. So yeah. whether it's in the morning or at night, find that quiet time just so you can think and not be as interrupted. Yeah, thinking space is key. And before asking everybody what the best way is to stay in touch with you, I know you all are in Colorado. Is there any thoughts about working with like Aspen Institute or like the future? I know they have a lot of future work initiatives. Like, What are your thoughts about plugging in with the ecosystem given that you've worked with cities and things like that? Government, nonprofit, Stuff like that. So I, I think I picked up the whole question. We work, I, I would say our focus is going to be on partnerships with higher ed. Got it. So, you know, we, we have a lot of opportunities and a lot of ongoing conversations on different things we could do. We just signed a large partnership where you can do credit articulation with Maricopa Community Colleges, which is the largest community college system in the country. 
where you can take our boot camp and get credit for it as part of Maricopa County's wow. um, programs. We have several of those as works in progress. We have a, one of the top public institutions, state colleges in the country that we're working with on a new degreed data science wow. uh, program as well in San Francisco. So those are probably going to be our focus. But as we are very active in our communities, especially through our campuses, we do a lot of work with local economic development groups, with local entrepreneur groups. We have a nationwide partnership with Google for Entrepreneurs, oh, yeah. a nationwide partnership with several organizations like that, that support the startup communities on our campuses, which we didn't talk too much about. So within our communities, we have quite a bit of involvement, but I'd say overall, strategically, it's going to be about what are the partnerships that make sense to give students the paths that we talked about throughout this conversation that make the most sense for us as we're growing. That's amazing. And what's the best way to stay in touch with you? Stay in touch with me. Let's see. You put me on the spot. <laughs> Twitter, maybe. Sean. I'm Sean, Sean Dross on Twitter. S-H-A-W-N-D-R-O-S-T. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. And then yeah, I don't, I'm not very active on Twitter. Uh, I'm not, a, a, I'm more active on LinkedIn. You know, I, I would say probably find me on LinkedIn and send me a message that way. I've, I've got, I think 10,000 unread emails on my email accounts. So not the best way, but LinkedIn, um, you will stand out. So just find me Al Roseball at LinkedIn and that's probably the best way. All good, man. Well, thank you for spending time with us and without further ado, let's, let's break, break in. in. Thanks for checking us out. We appreciate you for listening and always love your feedback on how we can do better. If you enjoyed this, let us know what you thought on the reviews by going to iTunes, searching for Breaking Into Startups, subscribing to our podcast, and leaving a review. Also, if you know someone who came from a non-traditional background and is looking to break into tech, encourage them to sign up to our newsletter or tell them to join the Breaking Into Startups community on Facebook. Remember, if they don't let you in through the front door, go through the back door, around it, under it, or through it. Let's break in.